Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the NBA playoffs continue on, and the world is still upside down. The Atlanta Hawks beat the Milwaukee Bucks. The Hawks are 6-2 and two on the road in the playoffs. They beat them 116-113. Chris Middleton had a three to tie the game, but on a night that neither team could shoot the three, and a night that he was 0-9, for 9, that thing wasn't going in. So Trey Young's 48-point performance is the difference in a 116-113 win over Milwaukee on the road. Nothing wrong with what Antetokounmpo did. He had his, what, 33, 34. He and Drew Holiday went nuts. They combined for 67 points, split him almost down the middle. Middleton didn't really hold up his end of the bargain. He's got to shoot it better, and he said that in his availability after the game. But the Hawks were up 1-0. Coaching change midseason, left for dead, rally, get into the playoffs, get into the 4-5 series, take down the Knicks, take in five, the Sixers in seven, and now they are up on the Milwaukee Bucks. Go figure. Go figure. Man, Trey Young is killing it. And the Hawks, they haven't been to the NBA Finals since they played in St. Louis in the 60s. Last time they went, they played Bill Russell. I mean, it's been a minute. And they're not there yet. They're going to win three more games. We'll see how this goes. Uh, you know, the Bucks did a good job getting up off the floor against the Nets. So we'll see how this plays out. But uh, an intriguing game one, and it goes to the Hawks on the road. Everything shifts back to the West tonight. Game three, Kawhi Leonard is out as expected. They're kind of playing a game of cat and mouse with him. I don't get it. From what we've heard, reading between the lines, he's done for the postseason. But they keep kicking the can down the road. And and I just think if he needs surgery, how to just shut it down and have it, how much of next year are you going to miss? But I guess they're holding out hope, that million-to-one shot, that somehow he can come back and contribute in the playoffs. Doesn't look like it, doesn't feel like it, but that seems to be where they're going. Chris Paul coming out of COVID protocol. He doesn't have symptoms. I think the only thing is to make sure he's not contagious. Does he get negative tests? Uh, it's a bad look for the NBA to play games and have him spread it and, you know, have heaven forbid, right, more guys come down with it and they have to postpone a game because they don't have enough players. I think what happened to the Cardinals just spooked everybody. And NFL got all their games in, uh, but they had to move games to Tuesdays and Wednesdays to play them because they had so many positive tests. And I think we're in a different place. They're not really announcing how many guys on each team have been vaccinated. And it's possible that there are teams that still have a lot of guys who aren't. Um, but I think we're in a different place than what happened to some of the NFL teams and what happened to the Cardinals and the Marlins, I think it was. Um, but nonetheless, we're seeing the PGA Tour and the NBA. If a guy's positive, he's just he's not playing. They want to risk him spreading it to anybody. It's a, it's a horrible look if they spread it to somebody else. And, you know, so no Chris Paul. Now, it hasn't hurt the Suns yet. They're up 2-0. But uh, he's listed as probable for Game 3 tonight. So take that probable, and I think we get Chris Paul. Now, for the Clippers, they were down 0-2 to Dallas and 1-7. They were down 0-2 to the Jazz, and they won in 6. So they're 0-2 again. Can they win again? Uh, I think not. I think Phoenix is uh, healthier and in a better place and playing better. Uh, Phoenix, I mean, you got to give it to Phoenix. They've won nine straight road games. I know they got a little boost early on because Anthony Davis went down. They were down 2-1 to the Lakers, and Davis had a couple of 34-point games, 32-point games, something like that. He was over 30. Um, 
But he got hurt, and ever since then, the Suns have been unstoppable. So we'll see if they get to 3-0 on the Clippers. Uh, the Nuggets kind of did this last year, where they were down 3-1 to the Jazz and came back. They were down 3-1 to the Clippers and came back. And they got down 3-1 in the Western Finals. And he was like, well, don't write them off. They might come back and get the Lakers. And, of course, they didn't, and the Lakers won the title. So we'll see if the Clippers can, you know, the third time is the charm, and they do it again. I would think not. And 2-0, the Suns are halfway there. And they've done it without Chris Paul. So getting Chris Paul back, you think would make the Suns even tougher tonight. Game three tonight. All right, DJ and PK, more in a moment. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tim Lacombe coming up, jazz analyst, and also the Salt Lake Tribune's new sports editor. Uh, where's their emphasis going to be? What are they looking to cover? We'll talk with Aaron Falk next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Aaron Falk, the new sports editor at the Salt Lake Tribune. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property. Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation? Find out more at smartrain.net. Time to welcome in Aaron Falk. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. We love to have you on every time your life changes. We were talking to you in the bubble less than a year ago, and look at this. The bubble's gone. You've left the jazz. You're the new sports editor at the Trib. How did all of this happen? You know, life life comes at you fast, David. There it is. Um, uh, you know, it, this was something that was sort of in the works for, for a few months for me. Um, it, you know, uh, Joe Baird is, is the outgoing sports editor. Um, he was my boss for, you know, about – five years um before i moved to the jazz and uh you know he's retiring and and just looking for um sort of a, a, you know this is a, this is an interesting time for the tribune it is a um in, in a non status at this point we're at once a week uh a print product and kind of a you know heavy online as, as most things are um and so just trying to figure out some of this um, media landscape, and it's it's um, it's intimidating and exciting all at once. And and uh, I think this is, this is day three on the job for me, and so just still trying to, to catch my breath and, and get my feet under me. But I'm, uh, I'm I'm just thrilled to be back at a place that I I love and and truly believe in. So a lot of people we see newspapers and it doesn't that conjure up. Well, man, that's a uh, secure job, and who knows what's going to happen? Many have folded and all that. What would you say to that as far as job security, being able to go into a business that the better days are behind it? <laughs> well, um, you know, maybe maybe this is. Uh partially motivated by, you know, we, we just went through a strange time in a pandemic. And I think a lot of people are um, reevaluating their, their decisions and, and trying to do things that bring them um, the most joy. Um, maybe it's just a dog returning to its vomit. Maybe it's, um, <laughs> you know, it's gotta be a better but, phrase than that. <laughs> uh, 
But you know, no, this, it, it's it's something that that I believe in. And, and honestly, here's here's the deal. When I when I left the Trib um, in in 2018 to go to the Jazz, um, one the, the Jazz was a great opportunity, and I, I'm truly thankful for the things that I was able to do there and things I was able to learn there. Um, but when I when I left the Tribune. Uh, it was, it felt very dire. Um, I'm not going to lie. You know, there, we'd been owned by a hedge fund for a very long time that had um, liquidated physical assets, changed um, operating agreement contracts, and, and, you know, just looking for fast cash. Paul Huntsman had come in, um, John and Paul Huntsman had come in and, and tried to buoy things, but it was still um, really uncertain. And, and you know what? Um, this kind of, this being one of the first papers to go to a nonprofit um, model, uh, a lot of things to figure out there, but it, it was a step in the right direction. Um, and frankly, as, as much as it pains um, some longtime readers to only have a once a week print product, the cost of print um, and and all those things uh, were, were so great that this this is an opportunity to not only you know make this a, a financially viable enterprise, but to I think do some really cool journalism as well. Um, and and so you know what I I wouldn't be going back there if I thought that this was uh, a sinking ship. I, I think that that the Tribune is um, uniquely positioned among you know, traditional newspapers, um, give, given those things that I just mentioned. And I am, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think I'm going back to a singing ship. I think I'm going back to a thing that we can, we can, um, not just float, but, but can cruise on for a very long time. And I think that's, I know I'm excited about it. And I hope, um, you know, in, in time, uh, all of, all of our readers in, in this community can be excited about it again. It is still possible to do interviews one-on-one with people who aren't in uh, kind of the mainstream, most popular sports at the most popular levels. But if you're in the mainstream sports at the most popular levels, it's a series of Zoom calls. How do you do anything unique at the Salt Lake Tribune that people will want to make the effort to go seek out and read? Yeah, you know, I think um, it, it requires it requires um, effort. Um, it, re- it requires some some thinking and planning. But you know, even even the the best and, and biggest publications that are getting these you know a one on one with with an NBA star aren't getting huge amounts of time. It, it, and it goes back to just the, the things that that you know that you guys do when when you're booking guests that that PK did when when he was. Um, working at, at the Tribune, um, you know, it, it's 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 about finding things around the edges and filling in stories that way. It's about finding unique angles. It's about finding, um, taking that kind of commodity news that everyone has, making sure that you have your own angle and and um, and and your own analysis. And, and it's about hardworking and smart reporters. And I, and I think we have that. And I think we're we're going to uh, you know figure some things out and and you know get get going again and. Um, I, I think that possibility absolutely exists. It's just a matter of it's a matter of being strategic, planning, and then busting ass to, to do it. So one of the things that I think makes an effective sports section is that you give essentially the readers what they want, right? And then you can probably say that in every section. And uh, there was a sports editor, a couple, I think it's two removed from you, a guy named Michael Anastasi. I'm not sure if you worked for him or not. Uh, but he comes up from uh, California, Los Angeles area, and he looks at it, 
you know, what, what is big in our community? Well, the Jazz is obviously. I mean, they're the top dog, and they'll most likely always be the top dog. But he recognized that college football in our market is just gigantic. I mean, it is as big in our market as it is in any in the West, really, uh, particularly when you consider our size. So the point I'm making is that he put tons of resources into college football. I mean, I remember one time, I think it was BYU played Notre Dame at South Bend, and I was the only guy who went, or the only person who went from the newspaper, and I had like eight stories to write that day. Anastasi comes in, he sends columnists, he sends sidebar guys, people, I shouldn't say guys, but people, and uh, really put a ton of financial resources into it. And I thought, from that perspective, was a huge, huge addition and made college football super big to the level that the community bought into it. So I thought it was a brilliant decision. My thought for you going forward is what is your basic philosophy on that and will the resources be available for you guys to put that into something that I think the community just eats up? Yeah, you know, obviously this this is like I said, you know, it's a nonprofit. It is these are these are um, different times and, and the the staffing levels and, and some of the things simply just aren't aren't the way that they were um, you know fifteen years ago and and certainly before that. Um, so there there are we got, we have to be creative in, in some ways, but absolutely, I mean that that remains a, a, a top priority. Um, we're committed to to traveling um for our for our writers we are committed to to finding those stories and and you know maybe it's not you know i'm just just thinking maybe it's not sending five people to, to south bend but we can certainly find um stories and, and ways to to have that product to have people engage because this is i mean we you know it's not wanting to to only go out and write things that um the readers want sometimes that that you have to write things that, that maybe make people feel a little uncomfortable, what have you. But but this is we're we're looking for subscribers. I mean, so we, we want to have a product that means something to our readers, and and that's you know this we are I think once upon a time there you know the Solid Tribune, the Deseret News, what have you. They were they were you know the two big voices in the community, and and you know it was probably enough gravity that that when somebody spoke, people listened. Now it's competition in a, in a, on a level that that um, you know didn't exist, especially when you're looking at across the the entire internet landscape. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have to stand out. We have to be able to provide things that that people want, and we have to work for it. And, and that's that's what we're committed to do. So there was a time when the Salt Lake Tribune was all in on high school sports coverage. And PK always makes the point that it's a passionate part of the sports landscape, but the people who move through that portion of the landscape are always changing. So it's a different group of people who are passionate. What kind of resources do you want to put on high school sports? Yeah, it's a conversation we're having, and and I I think we will... um uh, put some more resources on that, but it, it, it's something that we're still figuring out. I'm, I'm like I said, this is this morning will be day three for me, and and there's a lot to uh, to process and, and go over. But um, we we do want to we do want to uh, lean into that because you're you're right. It is a passionate group. Um, it's, it's just a matter of of striking the right tone and and um, and and the right level with, with the staffing levels that we have right now. Um, but I I am uh, that that is that is high on my radar. Absolutely.
I think all of us in the industry, and, and you know, I consider myself a print guy at heart, and I just cringe anytime I hear the possibility of layoffs. I mean, it just is the worst. I don't want to see that ever for anybody. I don't care who you are. I just losing your job because of a layoff. If it's a job performance, that's not good either, but at least it's somewhat more understandable. And if people get laid off, it's just brutal. And we've experienced that here. I mean, close, close friends in the business have lost work, and it's obviously very bothersome, as I'm sure it is to you, Aaron. What is the commitment from the organization above you to make sure staffing stays at the need that it needs to be? I mean, that's, you know, that there are, you know, I'm not in in a position that, frankly, well above my pay grade to to promise those types of things, but but I'll go back and say again, I mean, I'm, I'm not coming back to this if I don't feel that we are in a, a not only a, a stable position, but a, but a position now to to turn that stability into into growth. And um, I I believe that, you know, the the, the, this, this, the way the city and the state are growing, um, the way that we are reshaping the product and and, you know, the the. the the sort of leadership we have with with Lauren Gustus, the uh, you know our our editor, executive editor, coming in and, and taking charge, um, we are we are in a very good position, and I feel very very safe right now. And I'm not I'm not just blowing smoke. I I feel very good about that. Um, you know, I when will we be able to grow staff? Uh, that I don't know, but that that's my goal. My goal would be I, I have much more of a. Uh, my my sights on being able to grow than than reduce at this point. No, that's good news. That's good to hear. I hope you can accomplish that. You know, Lauren was here uh, previously in her career and was a beat writer covering Utah basketball in the Ray Jacoletti era, so roughly 15 years ago, give or take a little bit. And I'm curious now if uh, you think college basketball is still a big deal in this town or not. You know, um, it's it's tough to say. You know, I I don't think that it's it's the deal that it once was, um, and and you know maybe that comes back with with the the right right season, the right right team, whether it's in BYU or or at the U. Um, but we're we're still committed to that, and, and our Utah writer Josh Newman, who's um, New York guy, who's been here for for you know, I think he got here just before the pandemic hit. Um, he is a a college hoops head and and loves it and and so I think even if I uh, even if I felt differently he would he would be um, covering the running youths you know aggressively and, and thoroughly so um, I, you know we, we we will be doing those things I, to me I, personally I, I feel like it, it's it's fallen off and I would love to see it come back again I mean passionate fan base is good for. For them, it's good for us. It's good for you guys. Yep. <laughs> um, would would love would love to see that. Now, as I as I'm just speaking candidly, have not seeing that currently. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. This is probably maybe more minutia than our listenership wants, but we've seen the evolution of journalism just be exactly that and it's changed dramatically and all games are on television now and so forth and so growing up in the business 
you know, you were told there's only like one or two people that can offer opinions slash analysis. The rest of them have to play it down the middle and all that stuff and just report on what happens. What do you see as possibly changing away from that and getting maybe a beat writer to be evolved in more as analysis slash opinion and what he or she sees when she goes or he goes and covers events? Yeah, I, I was just talking to, to Gordon Monson on the phone about that yesterday, and um, you know, he—that's he, how he felt. He said he—he he, he was like, Aaron, I might be, uh, you know, phasing out my my own job here, but but I, I, he firmly believes that the beat writers should be able to to do those things, and and you know what, they are they are starting to do those things, and and we're seeing that across, um, you know all outlets and, and that idea of of just sort of you know writing everything down the middle is is, is going away and that's not to say that that everyone has to to be um, the columnist that, that Gordon is and, and that everything is is um, you know an, an opinion but I, I would want our writers to feel um, confident in, in doing that and, and to feel that they have the expertise to you know, to analyze the thing that they're watching more than, frankly, just about anybody else. I mean, and we're seeing that a lot with, with Andy Larson, who is a guy um, who, you know, has a skill set that, that might not have gotten hired at the Tribune a uh, uh, number of years ago, not a traditional journalism background, but, but certainly someone who is analytical in, in his thought process and, and in his writing um, and is, is willing to do that. And, and you know, we I, I frankly love to see that. I love to see everybody um, using their expertise to to lay out, you know, whether uh, th- their position. And, and again, like I said, not not in a traditional columnist sense, but an analyst analysis should be part of part of the job. Absolutely. So I think it's just about letting that show up in stories because everybody's on Twitter and certainly you can check Andy's Twitter feed and he's telling Quinn when to sub and when not to sub and why to sub this guy or sub that guy. I mean, opinion is is already there. Absolutely. I mean, if you, if you think there's a, um, a difference between those things, I mean, every, every tweet from our reporters, for better or worse, represents uh, our reporters and, and the Salt Lake Tribune and, and maybe there are some conversations to be had uh, in on that regard, but... Um, yeah, like you, you would be an absolute fool to think that, you know, you can voice opinion on Twitter, but as soon as, as soon as you start writing for the website, that goes away. If you've already voiced opinion, you have voiced opinion in the public sphere. So you think I got a shot to replace you on the job you just left? Um, absolutely. You want a reference? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I, cause I mean, this radio thing is kind of dying for me. So, uh, you know, <laughs> You know, you could you could probably wrap up the show and then head over to the Zions Bank basketball campus, clock in. Um, I'm lucky they still keep me employed at this. Yeah, you got you guys are, are uh, you guys do a great job. We, um, you know, and, and I I always um, having been part of LHM and then now the Smith, or Smith Entertainment Group before moving back to the trip. I mean. The, the zone and, and everybody there was always um, great to me. And, uh, you know, it's cool to hear that you guys are, are thriving. And, and frankly, you know, like in, in, a, in, in this media market, to me, it's, I, I'm not trying to like, I, I don't see this as, as newspaper wars or media wars or, or, you know, what I'd love to see is, is someone um, struggle so that we can thrive. I, I think there's 
room in this market for all of us to thrive and, and everyone should just be trying to, to find their lane and, and their angle and, and to feel a little different. And, and um, you know, that, that we're, we're lucky that we have passionate fans um, in, in a market this size for, with the sports teams and, and the success that we've had and, and there's room for all of us. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled for you guys and I'm, and I'm excited to get going back on the trip. Before I let you go, you used to, uh, you did the podcast with Joe and Renee Ingalls. Uh, I assume that's over. And if so, how much are you going to miss it? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that's over too. I haven't necessarily fully discussed that. Um, but no, I'll, I'll, I'll miss that. And, and it was just, um, you know, just on a, on a personal note, very cool to, um, have those two people welcome us in, into their home, um, and, and, you know, open up and, and, um, and just to see how much Renee, how, how good Renee is at, at running, running something like that and how much she cared, um, to have, you know, Joe, uh, open up to us that way that he does with you guys on, on his weekly spot, um, was, was super cool. And, and, you know, we did a lot of that, um, during, during the pandemic. So it was at a time when, you know, everyone, we personally feel a little, a little isolated and, and just to be able to have that interaction with people and be able to discuss those things was, um, was really, really welcomed. And, uh, yeah, if, if that's the end, I'll definitely miss that, but, um, uh, we'll be, uh, following them. I'm sure they will keep going with maybe JP Chunga, who's uh, the, the producer and does a great job over at uh, utahjazz.com with his, with his podcast, Round Ball Roundup and whatnot. So um, I'm, I'm sure that will, that will continue to live on some level. Well, Aaron, good luck with the new job, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll be reading. We'll be following you on Twitter. We'll see, how, see where this goes. The brave new world. Yeah. Hopefully it goes to a subscription, David. I'll, I'll be... That's all I'm asking. Don't make, don't make me break any kneecaps. Apparently, you have not done the full research. Because as I told PK once, my wife, having gone to Medell and been a newspaper writer, he said, how long are you going to have the trip? And I said, until the trip dies or she dies. <laughs> that's, that's a well, non-negotiable. I hope for well, neither. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, let's, let's, it's let's, non-negotiable. Let's revisit this in, uh, in you know, 75 more years, DJ. Let's yeah. keep going. The reason, yeah. the reason it doesn't hit our driveway seven days a week is because you're only printing it one day a week. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's why that changed. So. All right. Well, hey, I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And tell your wife thank you. Okay, I will do that. All right. All right. Thanks. Take care, guys. There's Aaron Falk, the new sports editor of the Salt Lake Tribune. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Tim Lacombe, jazz radio pre-half and post-game studio analyst. What do the jazz need to do in the offseason? Where are the flaws in the roster? What needs to be addressed? There's more than one. How do you prioritize them? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz. But the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Tim Lacombe used to be an assistant coach at BYU. Before that, he was on Rick Majerus' staff at Utah. He is now our Jazz pre-half and post-game analyst. And 
Tim Lacone joined PK and I late in yesterday's show to prioritize the Jazz offseason needs. Now, you hear a few last nights as he references the end of Game 2 in the Western Conference Final. So uh, that's, uh, you know, obviously two days ago now, but you get the point. And uh, most importantly, how do the Jazz match up with these teams in the West and what does Mike Conley want to do? And let's get to all of that right now. Brought to you apart by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Summer LASIK Sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-2080. That's Davis Vision. That's Ozzy Osbourne. Time to welcome in Tim Lacombe, Utah Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Also rock star. That was Tim you just heard right there. Oh, that was Ozzy. Tim, how are you? Uh, good morning, y'all. How are you today? <laughs> Do you paint your fingernails black? Yeah, and my eyelashes. <laughs> Probably Dave, black. Dave Rose saw you in concert, and he told me, and he was absolutely serious when he said this. He said, you got to see him. He takes on the whole persona. You could just hear in his voice, like, I've watched a lot of basketball games with this guy. I've watched film of opponents. I've watched, you know, 16-year-old stars who wanted to recruit. And it just blew his mind, this persona that you don't have when you're watching basketball, that you do have when you step on stage. And it was 100% genuine. Yeah, it was crazy, man. Like, I met these guys. It was a high school deal. Uh, we, I, I moved to Texas and. You know, trying to connect with buddies and end up finding these guys. We we start a band way back then, and you know, time goes on, but we've all kind of maintained a friendship. And over the years, um, not been able to get together very much. But when we have, it's like riding a bike. And uh, you know, we're going to actually play Utah here in a couple of weeks. Um, I was all worried that the you know, the championship round would conflict and how I would handle that, but I don't need to worry about that anymore. Are I you think surprised that, uh, that my you schedule don't... just freed up. Are you surprised that you don't need to worry about that now? Um, you know, there's parts of me that are, uh, but I when I watched that game last night, um, you know, the it is just so difficult to, you know, plan winning a championship. I think that... Uh, a huge part of it is is there, there's obviously a lot of uh, of skill and there's a lot of uh, things that you have to do. Like Aiden had to go make that play last night to give him the two zero lead, and Monty Williams had to draw it up, and you know Book had to back pick, you know, uh, set a back pick as a decoy. I mean, there's so many things that have to go into it. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of good fortune too, and um, you know the Jazz had good fortune health-wise all year long. Um, you know, they did not lose because of their health. I, I want to say that because they were playing a team that uh, obviously their best player wasn't playing. So I think at the end of the day, what what happened is the Jazz just, you know, for whatever reason, hit a very, very rough spot, a spot where the ball wasn't um, always kind of going in the way it was in some cases. And in other cases, you know, the defense 
which was something that they relied on quite a bit during the season, really just kind of, for whatever reason, the Clippers kind of found the way to attack the Jazz that um, that was real, that they were real susceptible. I saw it all year long, you know, when teams spread them out and drove them, and um, it was really difficult for them. So just some things that, you know, you got to look forward as you look forward to build and add pieces. I think that's where you look. So what are you prioritizing? Bigger guards, uh, another really athletic forward with some size because Royce is, Royce is taking the best score on the other team, but he's 6'4", so sometimes he's given up four or five inches. A lot of times he is. Uh, or, or you want a, a small ball center who can protect the rim and yet run around like crazy and defend on the perimeter. You know, it's, it's crazy, but... Um... You know, I think I think they could use a little bit of any of those, and so I think you end up getting best player available. Um, you know, the the intriguing to me is is a four man, or excuse me, a big man that can that you can play small ball with because I think we're seeing it right. That's the future of the game. Uh, so I, I think that the I think any of those. I think you know you you won't go wrong if you pick an athletic guard. You know, a defensive-minded guy um, or a big that can help stretch the floor. I, I feel like that, you know, somebody that Quinn certainly has confidence in to be able to put in the, in the role will be the most important thing. And whether you get that, you know, via trade, free agency, uh, or the draft, I mean, I think that that's – I think you guys hit it on the head, a couple of the positions that this team needs. And more importantly, you know, it's always interesting because it happened to us many times where, you know, there's a certain point in the season where you feel like, dang, we're pretty deep. You know, we got a, we got a deep team here. We can play a lot of different guys. And then when it comes right down to it, you realize that some of that was a smokescreen. And that was the part that really kind of fascinated me more than anything is the Jazz bench was – they were great all year long. And, and, and to be fair, you know, with Mike playing – or Mike not playing the majority – of that Clippers series, uh, you know, bummed Joe up into the starting lineup, which took a weapon off the bench. Um, but, man, the Jazz bench got really, really thin. And by really thin, I mean, you know, outside of Clarkson, very, very little input on the offensive end at all. And uh, it's just hard when you don't have the weapons to be able to roll out there and the numbers to be able to roll out there. Um, that really, at the end of the day, that hurt them. Yeah, that, that to me that that absolutely that is interesting because you look at the Clippers and they had guys and obviously Terrence Mann is the classic example who played way above what their expected ability was and I don't think the Jazz had anybody who played above what their expected ability was. You know, I know that Mitchell was sensational, but for me personally, I expect that out of him. So there's very little that he can do to surprise me because I think he's just that good. What can the Jazz do to maybe get that as far as going forward is to get guys who can be a little bit better than they have been because the argument, and I know it's tough to say, but there were guys in the postseason who played worse than they did in the regular season. Oh, yeah. Not not just worse, but like way worse, right? Um and, and that was the other piece of watching the game last night. Cameron Payne, a guy who was playing with Jimmer in China, um, scores 29 points last night. And, and that's what you have to have. You're, you know, Donovan did his job. He certainly 
he raised his level, you know, from from regular season. Once again, we saw it in the bubble last year. But Donovan's a bona fide superstar. I mean, the way he can raise his level, and now it's just being able to get dudes surrounding him that can do the same thing. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, Cameron Payne certainly is receiving great coaching, you know, and has his whole life. But the the inner fire that you know to had him go to China, continue to chase a dream, and then come back here, um, you know, there's there's a lot of unique stories, and so I think that's really what it comes down to is surrounding your main guys with a whole bunch of weapons. And uh, you saw what it does when you've got a, a complement of Joe and Clarkson coming off the bench. Uh, and then Niang had, a, I thought Niang had a really good season and then just totally, I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know the reasoning or whatever, but just totally, you know, went um, completely silent in the playoffs. And I, I mean, I think that that really, those types of things and not having enough guys, you know, contributing that really hurt um, the Jazz chances as as the playoff kind of wound down. I'm surprised you dismiss injury as quickly as you did because I think a lot of the bench problems are with Mike out. I mean, they had four players on the bench with Mike out. Joe goes into the starting lineup. Now they got three guys on the bench. And yeah. No, no, no. No, I, I don't. I, I mean, I, I guess my thing. I never wanted to blame injury for because. At the end of the day, it's a variable, and if if it was only exclusive, mutually exclusive to you, then that's one thing. But you know, the league is dealing with a rash of injury, and in the very team you're playing, their best player and perhaps one of the top five players in the league was out. Yes, that's um, all true. I so, agree with that. I, I so guess the, the thing is I guess that, that's why. I guess the thing is, if you're in the Jazz front office, which you and I aren't, but if we were and we try to put ourselves in their shoes, if it's not about the injury, you better change the roster. But yeah, if the injury right. did do it, then you better you better kind of stay the same status quo and run it back again and give them a yeah. chance to do it. If the injury was the only thing separating them from doing it. Yeah, and, and you make a great point. I mean, I, I guess I was not putting myself in their shoes. I was holding the phone up to my ear talking <laughs> to two guys in Salt Lake. So you're right. Um, but, no, but I but I mean, as a, a holistically, yeah, I mean, the injuries were just terribly timed. And um, But if you're, you know, you're going to say that, you've got to admit that the reason the Jazz had the number one seed and were the best team in the league the majority of the year is they, they were able to avert all that stuff yeah. um, for the most part. So it, it is a, yeah, it, it's very frustrating. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to think what if, you know, if everybody would have been healthy. Um, but that's the, uh, again, the difficulty in winning a championship, you have to overcome so many obstacles that, you know, when you start out on your journey, you don't even know exist. You think they need to have an, a, line, a lineup where they can have five dependable three-point shooters? I don't think it would hurt. Um, you know, to be able to do that, uh, real, realistically, it would be the minutes Gobert is not playing because, you know, uh, he's going to play his minutes. And, and I think – but, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I, would, I almost wonder if anything you say is not the answer, you know, right now or going forward but I thought it would be interesting you know there were times during the season when uh, I was I remember one particular game against the Lakers where Billy Sobo was really good actually 
did a nice job defensively, moved his feet. The Jazz did kind of play a smaller lineup. And then on offense, he was just able to kind of help space and make threes. Um, but so somebody like that, you know, that's not as down the road in their career. Uh, the one thing I've been really impressed with, with this organization, this ownership you know, to this point, and, and then obviously the, the front office, they do a great job of finding guys, A, that fit, um, and then, you know, they find, like the Royce O'Neal find was, was phenomenal. You know, I always thought the world of George Niang as a college player. Uh, I thought he was just an instant bucket. And, you know, the fact that he ended up. Uh, but, you know, that's that's where they've got to, I guess that's where they've got to find some of that depth. The, the salary situation right now, obviously, they're up against it. Um, you know, free agency will be interesting for the first time, uh, you know, with Dwayne Wade here and see what kind of impact that makes. But um, I'm with you. I don't think you scrap everything. I think there's there's plenty to build around. But uh, athletic wings that don't mind guarding like defense um you know guys that certainly can shoot the three ball and then you know a a smaller big guy who's got some skill and ability to shoot a perimeter shot to keep people honest so as long as we're playing woulda coulda shoulda uh i'm curious if you think if the clippers would have won the series all the injuries everybody had that that all stays the same it's just one of those mm-hmm. things that happens, so you got to deal with it. But if the Clippers had not signed Batum after Charlotte dumped him in his contract, stretched it and let him go or whatever, and then the Reggie Jackson buyout in Detroit, if they don't have those two guys, do the oh, Clippers yeah. win the series? I don't think so because those guys were huge. You know, you go back and look what Jackson, Batum, uh, and Kennard, who Kennard was again really good last night uh, in that game against Phoenix. They they made some very very good moves. They they added some some layers to their team, some depth to their team. But no, I, I think you saw the pivotal plays and, and shots that Jackson and Batum particularly made in that series. I don't think they do. You know, especially with Kawhi being out, uh, they were really able to kind of change. They were kind of able to change their approach on the fly. And they were, you know, and, and and were able actually to to find some mileage out of it. So I think that 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 was brilliant move by them. But again, it's flip a coin. Sometimes you know you you take a chance on an older guy like Batum, and it ends up you know kind of flaring out on you. So so much of that is just again positive positive stuff to look back on. And you got to give the Clippers a lot of credit for making the moves they did. What do they do with Conley? Uh, I love him. Um, I just don't know. I think that some. I'm I'm curious to know what Conley wants to do. Yeah, you know, I right. Think that's always huge. <laughs> uh, but I would have to think that these have been positive years for him in terms of the way he's received and the way he's treated. Um, you know, I've never met Mike, but I know that there's a great relationship there with uh, with ownership. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of money you throw at him. I guess that's why, you know. Now I'm just a logistics guy and a part-time radio dude because I I, I don't know what the answer to that is. I certainly I, I will say this. I thought Mike answered the bell after a very disappointing season, and it would have been easy making the amount of money he he was making to just kind of like ride it out. But I, Mike had one of the best years of his career, and that says a lot. You know, he's had a great career. 
made the all-star game, you know, finally, you know, deserving of that. Um, how does he fit? You know, what kind of uh, red flags pop up, you know, from a health standpoint? Because you do really, you know, when you sign these guys, you count on them, you need them. Um, nothing that, you know, happened was something that Mike loved. I mean, he, Mike hates sitting there. Uh, but I think that's all the stuff you've got away. I mean, if there's a way to keep him around and it makes sense, I think continuity is a good thing. And I think that that's something Dennis has talked about. You know, continuity is important to this organization. Um, you know, and if Mike can continue to play at the level he played at this year, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, but that nagging injury and some of that stuff, that that would just make it really hard for me to settle on a number. Um, and, you know, that's that's going to be something where I think relationship will drive that. And if everybody has enough care about, you know, which they do, everybody looks at each other and cares about them, then I think it's just got to be, hey, what's what's honestly the very best thing we could do for you, for us? And, you know, that's where I think that thing, that decision will be made. But what you said first is really important. What does he want? You know? Yeah. He's a free agent, yeah. and he said, he made a point of saying in his exit interview, you know, this is the first time I've been a free agent. And so if the Lakers or the Clippers or the Suns or whoever, the Warriors, I don't know, whoever comes calling, what does he think? And I don't know that any of us know the answer to that. Yeah, because I think, again, he's got to weigh a lot of different things, you know, the money, the opportunity, the ability to win, the ability to be comfortable. I mean, he came here last year and had, you know, for his standard, a very poor year. Um, You know, and that's not anything that, you know, that's something Mike would say. He just had a difficult year adjusting. But, man, what what a bounce back year. Um, but all that stuff, you know, Mike's got to weigh it. He's got to weigh how much somebody can pay me. What's my opportunity to play? What's my opportunity to win? And is it any better than here? And that's where you start to say, okay, what if they offer less money? I don't know. I mean, that's, it's a fascinating, it'll be a fascinating process for sure. Um, one that we probably won't get a lot of exposure to, but at the end of the day, uh, I think we'll be able to tell kind of what happened by the choice he makes or, or the choice he has to make. Tim, we appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us. It's been a fun year, guys. Um, July 9th and 10th. If you guys aren't there, the friendship's over. So <laughs> I would recommend you get online and get tickets because I ain't taking no for an answer from you two. What's the venue? Where are you going? We're playing the Valor in Provo. Uh, July 9th and 10th, back-to-back nights. We wanted to do the rock star thing where play one night. Yeah. You know, go get something to eat, take a nap. Wake up the next day and do it again. Are so, they yeah. available at the door? Uh, they won't be for you. You have to actually make an effort to get some. Uh, but everybody else, yeah, there'll be some. Okay, if the I door. drive down there and show up, that's what's called an effort. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you need to make a plan. <laughs> uh, but numbers, early numbers are good. We're, we are close to a sellout both nights. So it should be very fun. All right, there it is. Tim, and, we... and I just marketed as friend of PK, PK and DJ. Um, and man, ticket sales have been crazy. So nice. thank you guys. <laughs> All right. All right, Tim, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us.
All right, there's Tim Lacombe, our Jazz pre-half and post-game analyst. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, including Game 1 in the East, next.